Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And to all the dads out there today, let me just kind of begin by wishing you a happy Father's Day. I hope that it's a great day for you today. And maybe you can throw something on the grill, uh, spend some time in the hammock and just uh, have a great day. So happy Father's Day to you. I'm not able to wish you a happy Father's Day face to face, person to person. But as we announced a few weeks ago, man, that's going to be changing, right? And so the date that we're going to be reopening and phasing back in live gatherings here at Calvary, is going to be on July 5th, Sunday, July 5th. And so in the coming week and days, we're going to be providing to you some information about all the details about what that will look like and the logistics and the procedures. But we're excited about getting back together in person here on Calvary Church on the 5th of July. And we're excited about being here today together. Even though it's virtual, we still have an opportunity to press into God's Word, His living, breathing Word that still has an impact today. So let me pray. And then we're going to move into the things that he has for you and that he has for me this Sunday morning. Let me pray. Father, I do begin by just praying for the dads out there. And um, it is a, it's a challenge to try to figure out how to be a godly dad and to lead well. And um, so I just pray that for all the fathers, you will bring encouragement, you will give strength, you'll give clarity to all of us about whatever chapter we find ourselves in with our families what it means for us to lead well in those chapters. I pray you'll continue to give us grace as we think about how we be a church and how we love well everybody who's in our church and how we represent the love of Christ in a culture that's so ripped apart over racism these days. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to press into your word as always. And so God, as we do this, and as there's great truth that you have for us today, please work through your spirit in the lives of all of us who are listening this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name and grateful for what Jesus has done in our lives. Amen. Well, my grandparents had a, a great house here in Connecticut. And I can remember as a kid there, you would walk in the back door of, of my grandmother and grandfather's house. Uh, they had one of those little water coolers over in the corner, a little laundry room. And you'd walk in and before you turned in the kitchen, there would be this door frame. And on the door frame, if you'd look carefully as you walked into their house, you'd see all sorts of different little marks with dates next to it. And those marks and those dates next to it were kind of marks of me, right? That at different times as I was a little kid and grew up to be a teenager and then a young adult, man, my grandmother at different moments and different birthdays would grab a little ruler and a little pencil and she'd have me stand up against that wall and she'd make a mark. She'd make an impact. She'd make a imprint on that wall. And when I think back to that wall or when I walk into other people's houses for whatever reasons and I see those marks on the walls, man, there's something meaningful about those imprints. There's something significant about those imprints and the memories that are with them. There's been times when I've been going to look at houses when my wife and I have moved and at different houses, there's been different basketball courts or driveways. And there at some point in the cement or the asphalt, there's been little kids' hands with some names written next to it. Maybe in your driveway, there's some hands from your kids. There's an imprint and an impact. And every time I see those, I think, man, that was a moment in that family's life where there was some memories and some meaning when they did that. When we see imprints on walls of kids' different growth through different stages, or when we see imprints on cement of names of kids and family members, that there's some memories and some significance that are evoked through those things. But it's not just imprints on walls. It's not just imprints in cement. Because there's probably been people in your life who have made a positive impact or have made a positive imprint 
on you. Has there ever been anybody who's positively impacted your life or left a positive imprint on you? Maybe a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach. Hopefully we all have those people in our lives. And the question becomes this, if we kind of flip it, how can we be the kind of people who impact others? How can you and I, and as a church, how can we be the kind of people who leave an imprint for the betterment and for the good of Jesus in different places that we go? How can we leave a positive imprint and a positive impact upon our school, in your neighborhood, to your neighbors next door, in your family, right? The place where we work, the sports team on which one day we'll probably play again, right? In our community, in our culture, how do we leave a positive imprint and a positive mark? On Father's Day, for dads, I mean, I mean how do we do that in our family? What does it mean for us to live in such a way that we leave a positive legacy and a positive mark in the lives of our wife and the lives of our Kids, well, to think about that question, we're going to study a guy today as we jump back into our study of Joshua who left that kind of imprint, who made that kind of impact. And unlike Joshua, this person that we're going to study today, he doesn't have a book of the Bible named after him. I don't think there's any Veggie Tales movie where he's like the lead character. Lots of people, even if they don't go to church, they know about Moses, they may know about David, right? They they know about some of those big name people, maybe Abraham, but there's probably not a lot of people who don't go to church and maybe not a lot of us who have heard of this person. He's kind of one of those guys who pops up and then he definitely leaves a legacy because we see later in the Bible about what some of his kids do, but he's not one of those big name characters. He was a guy who was behind the scenes, but even though he was a guy who was behind the scenes, he was a guy who left an imprint and we're going to see that in chapter 14 of the book of Joshua. In the past chapters that we studied, the people moved into the land. They had some obstacles. They had the battles. And then probably from like chapter 9, 10 up till about today, it's about them conquering more land. And now we're starting to get into this place in Joshua 14 where the land's being divided. And as the land's being divided, we see this glimpse of this man who leaves an imprint, who's lived a life well, and that guy's name is Caleb. And so today we're going to think about Caleb and his life and what we can learn from him. And we see in the life of Caleb something that is true for many people whose lives leave lives of impact and, and legacy and meaning. Let's kind of get caught up to speed and let's jump into it and let's see what the text says about him. <clears throat> in chapter seven of, uh, I mean, chapter, four, chapter 14, verse 7, Caleb's talking and he's recounting his life and he says this in verse 7 of chapter 14. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Here's a little bit about the backstory. Um, what, what, what Caleb's recounting is when he was 40 years old, they knew that one day they were going to take the land that the whole book of Joshua has been about them taking. And so before they went into it, Moses sent a, some spies. He sent 12 spies, two spies who went into the land. Caleb and Joshua, like Caleb says, they're like, man, look, yeah, there's some obstacles, but God's with us. Let's take it. The other 10 spies, man, they wanted nothing to do with it. They were scared. They were freaked out. They thought it was too overwhelming. And so their report actually caused the people of Israel to have this little revolt. And they decided not to move into the land at that time. When Caleb was 40 years old as a spy, 
man, he's like, look, I want to chase God. I want to press into what he has. I want to do it. And we see another important and interesting fact about Caleb in this text that sheds this light on him. Skimming down to verse 10, we see this truth. This is what Caleb says. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. At 40 years old, Caleb was kind of this guy who was sent on this mission and did it well and trusted God. Caleb is now 85 years old. But there's been this 45-year gap of time where Caleb kind of, we don't hear a lot about him. There's no big exploits. He's not a big named character. We don't necessarily hear about any adventures of him. How did Caleb spend those 45 years? Those 45 years of kind of essential being anonymous. How did he live? Did he live well? Well, we see how he lived because in verse 14, it tells us this. We're going to see that Caleb's going to get this piece of land. And then it describes Caleb in this way. It describes him as a man who wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. He wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Over the course of those 45 years, if you take time to read through the book of Exodus and Numbers and Joshua, man, there were all sorts of choices that Caleb could have made. There were all sorts of different ways that some of his fellow countrymen, man, they went astray and they rebelled, but Caleb didn't do that. Caleb had chances to make bad choices, but through 45 years, Caleb lived well. He's an 85-year-old man, and one thing we see about his life from the text is this. One facet that was involved in him leaving an impact is this. To leave an impact, the first thing, one thing to do is live faithfully over the long haul. Live faithfully over the long haul. That's the story of Caleb, a guy who lived faithfully year after year, decade after decade for the long haul. You know, the Christian life, it's not a sprint. It's not this situation where, man, we're going to do it as fast as we can, as hard as we can for about two months. It's not a sprint. Um, I think I've been here like seven years or so. There's been, I think, three Jingle Bell runs, a 5K that goes to the Nichols part of town. I've run them. I have the T-shirt. I've not run them as fast as some of you I know have run them. But man, I have run them. And every single time I've run this 5K and every single time I've run any 5K, there's always this group of people you can count on, right? There's always that group of people who aren't really runners, And man, what they tell themselves is they are going to sprint as fast as they can in the beginning of the race. So every 5K, there's always those runners who, man, they start off strong for about one-tenth of a mile, two-tenths of a mile, and they are just booking it. And then you know what happens? They run out of gas, right? You kind of catch up to them and they're walking, they're bent over, they're, they're huffing and puffing because they've tried to run it as a sprint. But man, it's not a sprint and the Christian life is not... A sprint, the Christian life is this. You know what it is? Man, it's getting up every morning and putting one foot in front of the other foot as a follower of Jesus. 
getting up every day and following Jesus one foot in front of another, in front of the other, in front of the other, and then it means you get up the next day and you do it again. And you get up the next day and you do it again, and you get up the next day and you do it again, and every day of our lives we put one foot in front of the other foot as followers of Jesus walking the direction in which he's leading us. There's this pastor named Eugene Peterson, and I love this quote. He uses it to largely describe pastoring, but it also, man, applies to the Christian life. And here's how he describes not just pastoring, but the Christian life. He says this, it's long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. And here's the reality that you and I know there's going to be moments as we get up day after day and put one foot in front of the other foot in front of the other foot as followers of Jesus. As we walk life's path of long obedience in the same direction, there's going to be moments when we stumble. But when we stumble, part of living faithfully over the long haul is you know what we do when we stumble? We get back up in God's grace. We get back up in the grace and the mercy of Jesus and we keep walking on. The first reality for somebody like Caleb and for you and I as we want to have a life of impact and imprint is man, live faithfully over the long haul. We're going to unpack a few things that we see from Caleb that are involved in living faithfully. But, but what's the second kind of facet of, of having a life of impact. What, what's the second thing that we can think about that does that? Well, the first thing is living faithfully over the long haul. And the second thing is this, leave the rest to God. Leave the rest to God. Man, we are to live faithfully over the long haul. That's what we're to do, depending on the spirit, knowing that Jesus is with us. And then you know what we do? Man, leave the rest to God. And here's why I think that's important, because sometimes when you and I think about, man, how do we have a life that matters? How do we have a life of impact? What is success living as a Christian? What many times you and I do is we link that with an accomplishment. We link it with a task. And we kind of say, okay, if I'm going to have a life of impact or if I'm going to have a life as a good Christian, then man, that means that I need to accomplish this. I need to have this happen. I need to do this, right? If I'm going to be a great dad, so what we sometimes tell ourselves, okay, if I want to be a godly dad, then what it means is this, that man, my kids, when they're adults, they're going to go to church. If I'm going to be a godly dad, then what it means is that, man, when my kids are growing up, they're going to marry somebody who's a Christian. It means that when my kids are older, they're going to be hosting community groups. And, and, and we link success with having something else happen, with having something else be accomplished. Pastors do that all the time in ministry, right? We think about what does it mean to be a successful pastor? What does it mean to be a pastor of impact? And we oftentimes link that with an accomplishment. I'll be a pastor of impact if my church triples in size, right? Many times when you and I think about what it means to live well or what it means to have an impact, we think that doing that means we need to accomplish something. But here's the reality Many times the things that we look to as the accomplishment that shows that we'll have a good life is ultimately something that we can't even make happen, right? Man, as dads, as parents, we can't control what our kids are like when they're grown-ups. We can do things that set them up for success. We can hope certain things happen, but there's things that only God himself can do. 
And that doesn't mean that we live to try to have those things happen. But many times what we do is we have the accomplishment of something be the definition of what it means to live a godly life or be success. But you can't accomplish those things many times. Those are things that only God himself can accomplish. And so, man, we live well. We leave an impact by living faithfully over the long haul. And then we leave what happens from that. And we leave the fruit that comes from that. And we leave the results of that faithful life in the hands of God. And we leave the rest to God. So if we're going to live faithfully right over the long haul, well, how do we do that? What does that look like? What's involved in doing those things? We're going to see a few things Caleb did. They're not the only things to do, but there's some things that he did. Here's kind of the first thing we see that was involved in Caleb being this godly man over the long haul. We've already read it, but going back to verses 7 through 8, there's this word that's repeated a few times. Here's what he said. We've read it, but listen again. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Heart is mentioned two times. What the narrator's doing is he's highlighting Caleb's heart. He's highlighting Caleb's heart. It's a heart that man saw God as bigger than any obstacle. It's a heart that trusted God. It's a heart that found joy in obeying God, even when obeying God didn't seem to make sense. And as we read, it was a heart that was wholly committed to following God. What the narrator is doing is make sure we understand that part of what Caleb's ability was to live well over the long haul for God's glory was that he had a heart that turned to God for satisfaction. A heart that turned to God for satisfaction. You've heard me say that before, right? Um, but, but here's why I'm saying it again, or I'm saying it again because it's in the text, and here's why we talk about it a lot. I remember, uh, I don't know what kind of where I was in life, but I remember somebody telling me one time that in advertising, uh, there's this kind of maxim that in a quick advertisement, whether it's on the radio, man, you want to make sure that you repeat a key piece of information three times. In an advertisement, you want to make sure you repeat something three times because the repetition is what's necessary for people to kind of hear it. That's why I'll let you up my sleeve a little bit. Um, Man, whenever you see me do an announcement, you can kind of start to count. I usually repeat something important at least three times, right? Like we're going to be open July 5th. Can't wait to see you the 5th day of July. It's going to be great on July 5th when we're back together, right? Repeating something. I had... Uh, met with a guy today, who, or not today, earlier this week, who owns a business. He's a small business owner, and we we're kind of just talking about his experience and his story. And, and he said that he'd recently read something in a leadership journal that said that if you want a manager to do something, that you need to tell them to do that thing at least 27 times. And that it takes 27 times for a manager who's helping run a business to kind of grasp and to internalize and to actually start doing those things. Repetition of things is important. And it often takes repeating something many times to have that thing be grasped and to have that thing be internalized. And so that's why here at Calvary, we talk a lot about our heart. We mention the heart 
a lot. And I mention where our heart being satisfied in God because I want you to grasp it. I want you to hear it. And maybe after I repeat it again and again and again, and maybe it's going to take 27 times for some of us to finally internalize this idea that, man, what's going to be most important in our walk with God is a heart that is satisfied ultimately and most deeply in God. I repeat that because it's repeated a ton throughout Scripture, and I repeat it because I want us to get it. Living faithfully over the long haul involves so much more than just keeping the rules out of duty or drudgery. Living well, living faithfully over the long haul, man, we got to have at the core of that a heart that is deeply satisfied in God and a heart that is grateful to God. And a heart that turns to God and looks to God and depends on God for meaning and for hope and for purpose. Caleb's heart was wholly devoted to God. He wholly followed God. And the question this morning is, how's our heart? I ask that a lot, but we need to keep asking it. What is your heart chasing today? If you're discouraged, if you're insecure, if you're frustrated, if you're just down, if you want everything to be okay, if you want to feel like you have control, if you want to feel like there's purpose and there's meaning, what is your heart running after to try to give you those things? What most deeply satisfies you? And if any of us are running to something to most deeply satisfy us other than God, we're only going to come up empty because God and God alone is ultimately what can most deeply and fully satisfy all of us. Caleb had a heart that was chasing after God. Caleb had a heart that was satisfied in God. What else do we see about Caleb that was helpful to him in living faithfully over the long haul? Well, in verses 10 through 11, we see him say these words. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said. These 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. And I love the way that he begins that conversation. And now behold, verse 10, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said, these 45 years in the wilderness. Caleb is an 85-year-old guy. He's looking back over the trajectory of his life. He's looking back over the twists and turns. And you know what he sees when he looks back over these things? Man, he sees that God has kept his promises to him. He sees that God has been faithful to him. He sees that God has provided for him and that God has cared for him. And Caleb has this perspective of looking back over his life that at times his life wasn't always easy. But he looks back and he sees God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's care. And the second thing that helped Caleb live faithfully over the long haul was that he had a perspective of God's faithfulness. His perspective, his lens, his grid was that, man, God's been faithful to me. God's been good to me. God has never, ever, ever once 
let me down. See, see, we choose the perspective we have on our life. We, we can't choose everything that happens to us. We can't choose what we do encounter and what we don't encounter at times, but we can choose the grid through which we look at those things. And, and we can look back over our lives in different situations and we can have bitterness over what's gone wrong. We can have anger over what we think we wish was different. And there's moments to have those things, and it's okay to have those things. But as we look back over the long haul, we can look back over bitterness of all that didn't happen or did happen, or you and I today have a choice to have a perspective that looks back over our life and says, but you know what? God's been faithful to me. We can focus only on the hard things, or we can have a perspective that focuses on this and says, yeah, there were things that were hard. There were moments that knocked my legs out from under me, some of you may say, but you can look back on those moments and you can also say, but God was with me. And he never, ever, ever left me, even in those hard moments. It's perspective. And it's a perspective that clings to and a perspective that looks to and a perspective that finds encouragement and courage and hope by seeing God's faithfulness over the long trajectory and the long haul of our lives. Caleb's awareness of God's faithfulness in his past enabled him to continue to live faithfully throughout the remaining years of his life. And the question for us is, what perspective do we have? This morning, as we're looking back over our lives and as you may be looking back over different moments and where you find yourself, what perspective do we have as we look back over those things? When was the last time that I or when was the last time that, that you just stopped and just focused for five or 10 or 15 minutes on how faithful and kind and good God has been in our lives? When did you not just ask God for something that you wanted, but when was the last time you thanked God for something that he's already done for you? And this week, as we kind of move out of Father's Day and we jump back into whatever the week looks like, how, how can his past faithfulness give courage to me and give courage to you for whatever we'll face today? Perspective. Attitude is so important as we navigate life in perspective and reframing the story from one of bitterness to one of seeing God's faithfulness is so essential to Caleb, to enable Caleb to live faithfully over the long haul and to you and to me as we strive to do the same thing. And we pull one more truth from Caleb's story. And, and I love this one. Um, th this is awesome. Way back when Caleb was uh, the 40-year-old and he was the gung-ho, let's go take the land. They didn't get to move into then, but Moses gave him a promise. And Moses said to Caleb, okay, Caleb, man, I know that you were faithful. I know that you were willing to trust God. And because of that, one day, someday, this plot of land, this particular parcel, man, in that country, it's going to be yours, Caleb. Caleb is now 85 years old. The people are starting to divide up the land. There's still some more battles to be had. And look at what Caleb does. He comes to Joshua 
his kind of comrade, his former spy buddy. And he says these words in 11 and 12. We've read some of it. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on the day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord shall set. Now this may be. It's kind of this unique Hebrew phrase because like when, when I say things to my kids like, well, maybe we'll go get ice cream, right? That's kind of like, eh, I don't know. It could happen, could not happen. But in the Hebrew language at this time, that word maybe, that phrase, actually was a phrase of confidence. It actually was a phrase of certainty. He was saying it is if he will be, right? I am confident that God will be with me. And Caleb's saying, man, Joshua, I want to go fight for a piece of land. I want to go get the piece of land. And this piece of land that he wanted, that Caleb wanted, is not going to be easy. We see here a little description of it, that the Anakim were there, with their great fortified cities. The Anakim were these people who were like, like, like Hulk Hogan size, right? I've just dated myself. Half of you don't even know who Hulk Hogan was. That's okay. You missed out on wrestling back in the 80s, which was real, and you should YouTube. It's spectacular, right? These Anakin people, they were like strong, kind of bigger than most people at that time. They, they were referred to as giants, not because they were actually like Jack and the Beanstalk giant, but because they were just so strong and muscular. They were in this part of the hill country. They had fortified cities. There were like enemy Navy SEALs in great cities, and this 85-year-old dude is saying like, you know what, bro? Let's go, I'm go, let's go for it. Like, let's go for it. There's work to be done. There's something that God has promised me. There's a task to be accomplished for him. God is with me. There's still something for me to do. Let's go for it. And Caleb is saying that not as a 15-year-old, not as a 25-year-old, not as a 35-year-old, but as an 85-year-old guy. My family and I, we've moved a lot, uh, not as much as military families, maybe not as much as some of your corporate families, but we, we've moved a lot, and we've helped people move a lot. Um, and moving is not always my favorite thing, but, but here's two things that at the end of the day, if you've ever moved, there are two different things that like when, it's, when you've been moving for like 12 hours, there's that, that one piece of furniture left that brings fear into anybody who's moving. One such piece of furniture is the piano. Fortunately, not everybody's a piano or they don't want you to move their piano, so they pay piano movers. So usually you don't have to do a lot of moving of pianos. But for most everybody who's moved or anybody who's helped the buddy move, there is one piece of furniture at the end of the day that when you see that thing, man, it, it, it brings fear to your heart. You know what it is? It's the sleeper sofa. The sleeper sofa, it is like something from the fall, right? A curse from Eden because they're heavy and they're awkward and they're bulky. And I've watched a lot of people move, and there's two types of people who respond in two different ways when it's time for that sleeper sofa, right? You're tired, you're hot, you're sweaty. You had your free pizza and your Coca-Cola. It's been four hours later. That's the last piece. There's one group of people, one type of people. They see that sleeper sofa, and they're like, yes, sleep. Come on, let's go. Let's get this thing done. I'm going to put it on my back. I'm going to take it on my stairs. And then there's this other group of people, and they're like, they're like, oh, man, oh, 
I'd love to help you with a sleeper sofa, but like I have this pillow. Like I have two pillows. I have to carry them upstairs. I, I told two different people groups respond differently to the sleeper sofa. Some see that challenge, see that heavy thing, and they're inspired by it. They're like, let's go. Others do everything they can to get out of it and to avoid it and to not having anything to do with it. Caleb was this 85-year-old guy who saw this sleeper sofa of this enemy in this land that was a challenge, and he's like, bring it on. I'm ready. I'm ready. He wasn't finished yet. He knew that God still had a purpose. He knew that God still had things for him to do. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God had been faithful. And he was like, let's go for it. He was taking steps to do those things. The third element of faithful living, the third element of leaving an imprint and leaving an impact that we see from Caleb that's true for us is this. An ongoing commitment to seek and fulfill what God calls you to do. An ongoing commitment to seek, to figure out, man, what does God have for me in this chapter of my life? What does God want me to do in this moment? What has God brought me to now for me to do? There's things I've done in the past. There's ways he's had me work and serve, and that's in the past, and it's been meaningful. But the question is, what does God have for me now? And then, man, stepping out in faith and taking steps to fulfill those things that God still has for us to do. Living faithfully over the long haul involves this ongoing commitment to seek and to fulfill what God calls you to do. So the question for me, the question for you, that we all have to think about is, have we shifted into neutral? Have you shifted into neutral? Have you put yourself on the bench spiritually or in serving God? Or are you still actively and purposefully thinking about, man, what opportunity is there out there for me to impact? What, what does God still have for me to do? What does he want me to accomplish? What does he want me to press into? Or have you told yourself, man, no, I'm too old. That those days are behind me. Sleeper sofas, taking pieces of land with fortified cities, nope. Have you told yourself you're too old for it? You're never too old to be used by God. You are never too old to be used by God. And maybe you're listening to this today. And maybe you're 85, maybe you're 75, 65, 55, 45, and you've told yourself, ah, there's nothing left for me to do. Man, that's a lie. God has a role for you still. God has a purpose for you to still. God wants to use you in this moment in powerful ways and in purposeful ways for his kingdom, even if some of those ways are simply ordinary, daily, faithful obedience to him. Have you told yourselves you're too young to serve God? You're never too young to serve God. And God has something for you today, no matter if you're 15, 8, 12. Man, let's not be a group of people who put ourselves into neutral. Let's not be a group of people whose best days in serving God are behind us. 
Let's not look out over a culture and a world and a community and a story in which God still has ways for us to do things, even if they're new things, and say to ourselves, hey, you know what, God? I'll, I'll just take this little pillow. And you want me to launch into that? You want me to carry that sleeper? So, but man, I'll just take my little pillow and I'll just go over sitting over here and, and watch. Don't check out. Don't disengage. God has a purpose and a plan for you today. So man, let's pray about what that might be. Let's take steps to figure that out. Let's, let's fulfill that. Caleb didn't have a book of the Bible named after him. Caleb, I don't think, has a veggie tale character. Caleb doesn't have any big remade Hollywood movie after him. But man, Caleb was a man who shows what it's like to be an ordinary person who lives faithfully over the course of our lives for the glory of God, depending upon the power of God. And wouldn't it be great that people, when they look at my life and people, when they look at your life, can say the same thing for us, that we're people of ordinary lives, may not have any big books, may not be on speaking tours, may not be having big thousands and millions of Instagram followers, but we're living faithfully over the long haul in our daily lives and the places in which God has us, trusting in his power and for the glory of Jesus. Man, it would be great if that was your story. It would be great if that was my story. And imagine what it could be if that was the story of a church like Calvary, where everybody was chasing that and everybody was known for that. Imagine what God could do through a church like that. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let me pray. Father, thanks for Caleb. Thanks for the people whose names we know, like the Joshua's and the David's and the way that you show us their stories. And the thank you for these people who we just get different glimpses of their lives and much of their life just spent in ordinariness. And we see a little bit of insight into who they were. And Father, I pray that this text today will encourage some of us, some of us who feel like maybe you don't have anything left for us. God, will you just encourage that person? Let them know there's something for them to do. Those of us whose hearts might be chasing other things, Father, renew us. Will you incline our hearts towards you? And Father, I'm thankful for your faithfulness. And will you enable us through the Spirit to look back over our lives and for us to see your goodness and your hand and your provision. Help us as we press into whatever you have for us this week, Father. We know you're a God of wisdom. So give us wisdom and clarity and strength to be the kind of people and to do the things you have before us. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.